All right. Hi, everyone. Hi. What's up, everybody? How's it going? That, um, that song, I love it. The lady's name is Shiuli, S-H-I-U-L-I, Subaya. And that hummy hum meditation, I swear to God, it gets me every single time. I'm just going to put this on a, I'm going to live stream this one because we've been talking a lot about birth lately. So, Om Namo Guru Dev Namo. How was everyone's fourth? Did anyone do anything? Kind of, kind of, so, yeah. I went to my, uh, I went to my neighbor's 4th of July party yesterday. We went the first year. It's like, like this, it's, it's like a two mile per hour party, um, but we've gone every year uh, because we went the first year and now we're like stuck in to it. So um, today is my, ble my blessing way. And the reason why today has been chosen is because this is the 120th day of my pregnancy. And in a lot of different spiritual traditions, the 120th day is when the soul of the baby enters the fetus. So before then, that's why a lot of miscarriages and stuff happen in the first trimester. And I've said this many times before, and we'll be talking about some of the things that like drive me crazy about the birthing industry. Um, but you know, a lot there's been a conversation going for a while of women saying we need to raise awareness about miscarriage. We need to normalize this because it happens to a lot more women than we would ever, you know, assume. But the thing is, is that women are just kind of told to not tell anybody they're pregnant until they're past the first trimester. So it's like, don't tell anyone you're pregnant. If you didn't tell anyone you're pregnant, you're probably not gonna tell people that you had a miscarriage and it'll never be normalized ever. And so on that same topic, so at 120 days, the soul enters the fetus. And this is in all types of different spiritual lineages, but usually right around this time is when you'll start to, you'll just start to feel the baby start kicking. And um, I think when I was pregnant for the first time, we'll be talking to some moms about second births and maybe even the concept of a, a human consciousness second birth, because that's the whole, Jesus's whole story. Maybe that'll even come up today as well. Um, but usually you'll start to feel the baby kicking right around now as well. And in the, when you're pregnant with your first baby, you're like, oh, you know, it's like a fart that won't come out of my belly or something. It's very hard to like figure out exactly like what is, what is going on. But uh, I did just start feeling the baby kicking recently as well. Um, so in a lot of spiritual traditions and also, you know, like abortion has always been a thing. You know, there was a lot of marriages since the beginning of time where basically the man just wouldn't stop fucking the woman. And uh, I lived in Mexico for a very long time. Mexico's very uh, influenced by the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church had this like super mission of making sure that women only use their pussies for procreating and that was it. They put in a lot of, and it was also in the Quran, the man should never let the woman be heaven and the man be earth. That means putting a woman on top. Who here, you know, we're all women here in this Zoom room, but like who here has found that like they have the best sex when they're on top? Who here has ever had a five alarm orgasm from missionary position? It doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't work like that. 
And I really did. And I only started learning how to enjoy sex because it was never talked about, you know, like no one ever told me, listen, honey, you got to get on top. I understand you have a lot of insecurities because of eating disorders and stuff like that. But basically the way that I was fucking from I when I was 15, till I was 27 was basically like, this is something that I have to do. It's not exactly pleasurable, but like we have to have a certain amount of sex in the relationship. So like, however we can get it over with the quickest. And if you asked me like, hey, how's your sex life? And I know because I put up this question sticker so many times, hey, how's your sex life? Everyone's like, oh my God, great. 10 out of really, oh my God, best sex ever with this person or that person. It's like, mm, okay. Uh, but with the Catholic church um, has, a big influence in a lot of countries but basically it's really written into that religion that like women your pussy is for procreating and that's basically it and so there's always been abortion as long as the catholic church has been around because it used to be that women were dominant and it used to be this used to just be the normal let me have a sip of this orange juice oh great just brush my teeth Ugh. um but it used to be oh, that women um when you were pregnant or breastfeeding, like it was part of just the general like stigma that women had created in order to space out babies. You do not touch a mom that's breastfeeding. You do not touch a mom that's pregnant. And breastfeeding always was three years, like until the baby's done, but three years of breastfeeding was just normal. And that's considered very abnormal now. Um, even though the WHO says up to three year breastfeeding is encouraged, like for so who here breastfed their babies, um, you know, past tiny infancy and people are just like, what you're still doing, you know, they have teeth. You're like, honey, if anybody in this fucking world knows my baby's got teeth, believe me, it's me and my tits. Trust me, I'm aware of the fact that there's teeth coming in. And baby's teeth start coming in at like six months. So the idea of like when teeth comes in, the boob goes out is kind of ridiculous. But that was how women, and it used to be that men just obeyed that. Don't fuck, and honestly, when you're breastfeeding, you're getting sucked on, groped, jumped all night long and all day long. Like your libido's not really peaking. If it is, it's like, you go down on me, I don't even want to look at you. I'm going to be, you head down here. Don't even look up at me. You just take care of me, but we're not having, like you're so oxytocined up that you don't, you're so overtouched and so overstimulated that like you probably am underslept. You probably don't really feel like fucking that much anyway. But that was how, but women could say no. It was like, I am not fucking you. I do not feel like fucking you. Anytime I say no, who here has ever said no one felt bad about it? Yeah. Like, oh man, I'm sorry. Who here ever went through a phase where they felt really bad about being on their period and like not wanting to fuck? Like, oh, sorry. Like I'm on my period. Has anyone here, let's take it even deeper. Has anyone here ever like said no to a date that they wanted to go on because they knew that they couldn't fuck? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I just don't want to deal with it later. Saying no has become very uncomfortable for women. Saying no has become very uncomfortable for women. And actually an aspect of eroticism, basically the only way that you're going to be able to feel pleasure is to be able to decline sex when you're not in the mood. To be able to decline. That's how you can say yes to other experiences if you feel fine saying no to things that you don't want to do. And that's how like an erotic, not an intimate relationship, but an erotic relationship where you're attracted to the person for the rest of your life, that can only exist if you're, if you feel comfortable with saying no, 
because you'll only feel comfortable saying yes to things if you feel comfortable saying no to things. So it's really, really important. Um, but basically, like the Catholic Church, the King James Version of the Bible, the Quran, all of these things are like, no, 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 no. Let's disempower women. Let's put them on bottom. Let's make sure they don't have any pleasure because when they find their pleasure, they find their power. And since they're just here to bring me sons, to bring me more sons, because like, what good is a daughter? I knew a lot of women in Mexico, a lot of women in Mexico whose husbands wouldn't stop fucking them until they gave them a son. And so the second that this patriarchy started to occur, where women weren't allowed to say no, abortion started coming up. So this is not a new thing, but it used to be that like, if you did not want to get pregnant, you knew that you didn't want to get pregnant. And so if there was an, women were very connected to their moon cycles because it's like two weeks after I bleed, I'm in that two day ovulation window where it's very easy for me to get pregnant. Now, if I've fucked in that window, I'm gonna be on high alert for my period because basically back then you have 120 days to terminate that pregnancy if it's not something that you want. You have 120 days after, and, and honestly, the abortion methods, or I don't know what the word is, I wouldn't say contraceptive, but the abortion methods were, um, it was like penny royalty, it was herbal. So the sooner you catch it, the better your chances are of it working. But if you're going after 120 days, forget it. So like you had to be on your shit if you didn't wanna be pregnant. And there were a lot of people that got pregnant, didn't know about it, didn't know how to do it. And they had very miserable lives. Yeah, it totally sucked to be these women. D disowned by your family, suicidal, giving your baby up for slavery, prostitution, adoption, all of these things, killing yourself and your baby. Like these, it was definitely like to say that abortion isn't a right for women. That's not, it's always been, that's always been like a secret that women have had. Listen. They, and they believe like the reason why they were like, don't touch a breastfeeding mom, don't touch a pregnant mom is because when you have babies too close together, the mom becomes frazzled, she can't handle it and no one gets taken care of. So that it was for the mother's mental health that this idea of spacing out children was, uh, and they were like, no, you'll get fuck, you know, if you fuck a woman on your period, your dick will fall off. If you fuck a woman that's breastfeeding, your dick will fall off. Like they're, they're just like, keep, whatever you got to tell them, <laughs> whatever you got to tell them to keep them away from you when you're not trying to get pregnant, tell them so that they'll listen. And that was, you know, when we did Spiral Dynamics, that's like the, the mythic meme where basically no science involved whatsoever, but it's like the gods and then that moved into something else. So, uh, but these options for not having a baby when you didn't want to, they've always existed. And they've always, that's what witches were always there for. Witches, midwives, it's like, who can you go to with woman problems? You can't go to the church. A lot of times you can't go to the mom. A lot of times you can't go to your friends, but there's a woman that lives out in the woods, in the woods that knows secrets. She knows about the seen world. She knows about the unseen world. She can tell you what two days out of the month you're going to get pregnant so you can make any fucking excuse that you can to not fuck somebody at that time. She can give you something to knock your husband out if he won't give your, get his paws off of you. And if you got raped and you're pregnant, she can help you with that. 
she can help you with that because it's like it's always been putting women first but the thing is is that a prerequisite for that was like you have to know your cycles and you have to get it before 120 days because look i had somebody message me and be like you're wrong the soul of the baby doesn't enter at 120 days because i had an abortion at 35 weeks and like i'm fine with it and i said listen babe like i can't rewrite i'm not saying things that i made up here I'm talking about like 5,000 year old truths that a lot of different religions all practice, all believe in. I can't rewrite that just because you don't like it. And honestly, I wish I could, but this was always about making the women feel better because once there's a soul inside of you, you feel differently. And if you have an abortion after that baby's soul has entered the body, like that shit fucks with you heavy. Like that shit fucks with you heavy. Before 120 days, you're dealing with a different type of experience. And it's really more, these abortions are a lot more about showing that woman what it is that they want. Maybe they didn't know they wanted kids. Maybe they didn't know they never wanted kids. And it should be something that you don't do repeatedly that changes the course of your life because you don't want to go through it again. It's supposed to be inconvenient. It's supposed to be hard to get to. Getting away from your five kids and sneaking out to the woods to spend a night at the witch's hut, like so that you can go through an abortion at home with her. It's not supposed to be easy because it's supposed to be like, you will do anything that you can to not have to go through that again. And so, but this has always been around. But before 120 days, that's when you're dealing with something where it's like, this was here to alter the course of your life. And after 120 days, that's when you're playing God. And a, a lot of people have, um, you know, it's not even that there's a fertility crisis. It's just that when you spend 15 years on birth control, you start to believe that you're controlling it. And like doctors can tell you about how a fetus comes into the world or how a baby's body is born. But as far as like souls, who's, who says who lives and dies? That's supposed to be like God work, who lives and who dies. And like when people fuck with that, when people kill other people, adults, whatever, souls, it, it fucks with them. It fucks with them, even if they don't, even if they act like it's never bothered them at all. Even if it's soldiers that were like, I was just doing my duty, like PTSD is real. Understanding that like somebody had a destiny and a story and like all of these things and now that's not going to happen, like it fucks with you. So that was why as part of mental health, they always have, if you have to have an abortion and people do have to have abortions sometimes, like this is true, this is real. This is very real, especially since the patriarchy was like, just but women are baby making machines, fuck them as much as you can, get as many sons as you can, get as many workers as you can. Like this became something that women needed. Um, but it fucks with you when you're playing God. And so I just wanna say a little something about abortions that happen post 120 days. From a perspective of souls coming to earth, if you want a nice quick karma release, because basically like souls come to earth because it's the optimal situation for karma release. If you fucked something up in other incarnations, basically in order for our souls to evolve to a place where uh, things manifest instantaneously, we get less laws, you have to have really lived a broad experience as a human. So if you've only walked as a human for like a rich person's life and you've never been an insect and you've never been a poor person and you've never been at the bottom of the classes and you've never been at the top of it, like that's not a full expression of what it's like to be human. And so if somebody, to be able to be an aborted soul, 
And um, basically like you never even come earthbound or if you do, because it's a post birth abortion, it's, it's basically just a real quick karma release. You're here and then you're gone. You're setting some scales, right? It's just like a little, so that's actually for some souls, that's good. And everything goes the way of the gods. But what I'm saying is like, it fucks with the mother more. It fucks with the mother more to have a post 120 day abortion. So I, I've been talking recently about just the spiritual aspects of abortion and people, I'm, most people agree, but a few people disagree and they're usually people who have already experienced it. Um, but this isn't something, when I say that like I have a problem with Planned Parenthood, it's because people are able to get abortions super easily, super inexpensively with no fucking aftercare whatsoever. Like that's a huge thing to go through. It's a very painful, very traumatic thing to experience. And because like it's done in secret and done conveniently, a lot of us go back to work two days later and just put that behind me. And like, this is a very serious thing. It is a very serious thing and like it, it fucks with you and you have to know how to grieve it and you have to know how to go through it. And you also have to like see it as the opportunity that it was for you to realize what it is that you really want. Be more aware of your cycles, be more aware of like, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that when you're ovulating, you fucking get really horny and other people get horny. And for some reason you're like, I know I've never really been in this before, but fucking come inside me. Ah! You know, like it's, uh, it's uh, desires don't come from us. You know, their planetary influences become expressed through us, but it's no coincidence that like everybody is feeling horny at the same time. And like the full interior decoration sex experience just sounds like, so it was like when I knew that I wanted to have a baby, um, hang on, my, it, my live video just ended. Uh, when you know that you want to, when, ugh, hang on one second. I hate it when my live video goes out and I have to deal with any type of like tech stuff while I'm trying to do this. Um, when you know you want to have a baby, all of a sudden different things sound like appealing to you. Like there, the year before I got pregnant with Reiner, I was like, I'm just, I don't know what it is right now, but I feel like I've got this kink of like, I want somebody to come inside me and I just can't have anything but that. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's a lot more than just you, but you've got to be aware of stuff like that. And, you know, we need to teach everybody that we know about like reconnecting with these cycles. But whether you're on the side of Planned Parenthood or not, you shouldn't be reliant on any big business or any big system to control like how your life is going to go. Because all of these things, you know, if you're depending on the president to give you freedom or not, if you're depending on Planned Parenthood to ensure that you have the type of life you want to live or not, like that's not going to like that's not going to work out so well. So it's like you really, and if you have an instant where you're like, you know, I think I might've gotten pregnant or that was like my window. It's very easy. If you're bleeding on the full moon, you ovulate on the new moon. Just check out the moon anytime, the day that you start your period, notice where it is. Is it waxing, waning, full or new? And two weeks after that, whatever like the opposite of that is, is going to be when you're the most fertile. And if you want to be really safe, be like, okay, that whole week, come on my chest, baby. The whole week, come on my, I'm not really into coming on my face, but you know, come on, there's the wrap it up, <laughs> the wrap it up sentence. Um, but if that's, but if you know that there's been an incident at that time, there are so many, you know, there's herbal methods, there's a morning after pill. If you don't want to get pregnant, you can control that and you can do it early on. But like, you got to respect your pussy. 
You have to respect your pussy and respecting your pussy means like, if you don't want to fuck, you don't fuck. That the only way you're going to have five alarm orgasms in your life is if you feel okay with saying no, when you're not in the mood to do it. You also have to have reverence for your period. Like this is your power. You don't understand. This is major goddess powers. And when you're on your period in, um, in Ayurveda, it's called a panavayu, the downward and out motion. So everything about what your body is trying to do is clear things down and out. Um, you don't really want to put a dick up and in when you're trying to get things down and out everything else enjoy it fucking who here comes way harder on their period than they do yeah everything's very sensitive it's a great time for manual pleasure it's a great time for all of that but putting things up and in even like a tampon you want to be able to i i used to have terrible cramps until i started using a diva cup instead of a tampon and uh think send me a whole bunch of underwear to try out but I, i'm just a diva cup i'm just a diva cup lady um, but what I wanted to say was that there's no such thing as a fertility crisis. It's just that like babies happen when God says it's time for babies to happen. So a lot of times when people have been doing birth control, even just for a few years, it's the whole like patriarchal scheme is to get women to give up their rights and it think that giving up their rights is empowering. So birth control, first of all, everyone I know that's gotten pregnant has been on birth control. Everyone I know that had an unexpected pregnancy has been on birth control. I've always been on the pull-out method. That's been really frowned on. I've had a lot of people be like, that's so unsafe. What about STDs? But like, I fuck people that I know. I fuck people that I know, and that's just kind of been my way of doing things. Now, everyone is going to do something different. But like taking a pill that says anyone can come inside of you as if you're not taking on that energy, as if that's not going into your body, into like... A lot of times when you let someone come inside of you, they have a weird power over you because you're a receiver. You're receive, that's what your vagina does, it's a receiver. It takes in energy. So it's a lot more than just this like sexual transaction. But the thing is, it's like when you've been taking birth control and you're convinced you're controlling it, and then all of a sudden you stop taking it and you're like, I'm ready to have a baby and it doesn't happen in like three months, Oh my God, we were trying and it didn't work. We were trying and it didn't work. Blah, blah, blah. And then you start interfering. You start uh, developing resistance around this idea that you can get pregnant. Now that doesn't exist because it's always been a God thing. But when you've been convinced that you're controlling it this whole time, you believe that it's all on you. And there are three factors that are required to make a baby. Two of them come from a woman and one comes from a man. And there's like the bit, it's the law of three. It's like the myth of creation that a lot of um, Westerners don't know about, but it takes three forces, an active force, which is the sperm, a passive force, which is the egg. So the sperm travels to the egg. Ladies, you have to be the egg, the ovum. You have to let men come to you. You have to let things come to you. That's what the egg does. It sits and waits knowing that she can have her pick. The sperm do the traveling, the sperm do the going, but the egg allows one in. But the third force that's needed is the sustaining force, and that's the womb. A baby can't grow outside of the womb. And a lot of people I know, even when I was starting to get controlly around wanting to have another baby, Spirit reminded me that like every time you menstruate, think of your womb as being like a, like mother of, of pearl or something that has a lot of layers. And in order for that baby to be created, there's not only the perfect sperm and the perfect egg, but the perfect womb. 
the perfect lining of your uterus. So every time you get your period, that baby's not getting further and further away from you. The baby's getting closer and closer to you. But when you've been told that you can control birth, and that means that like, I'm ready for a baby now, you know, and it doesn't happen in a year and you're freaking out and you're saying what's wrong with me. And every time you get your period, you're cursing it and you're going to doctors that say, yes, there's something wrong with you. Yes, there's this wrong with you. Like this fertility crisis isn't even, a, it's not even a crisis. It's just women believing that they control something that they don't. And like, that's never, that's never been true. But like your period is your power. Your period is your power for real. Like you, the veil between the seen and the unseen world is very thin and your body is tired. So all you can really do when you're on your period is like be with your thoughts and be with your visions and be with your dreams because a lot of times you're just too tired to go out and do stuff. And if you, you know, it's something that I would put on your vision board. If you're, if you have a job like I did for almost all of my life, where it's like, you go to work, whether you're on your period or not rest on your period, honey, that would be nice. But I would definitely put that as something like on your vision board. Like I want to rest on my period. I want to be able to rest in this rest cycle. I want to be able to really, um, enjoy, like let the lunar cycles support me. I want to be able to really feel held by the universe. Um, and part of that is being able to have like the space and time to actually like enjoy what being on your period is. And in a lot of different, like the Orthodox Jews, they always send women away for a week on their period. And like, I used to love clutching my pearls when I lived in bed. So I'd be like, oh my gosh, sending the women away, fucking them through a hole in the sheet. You know, I had a lot of, uh, it's the, the lady from Outlander that always wants to change anything, clear, clear, uh, change everything, Claire Frazier. That's wrong, I've got to change it. That's wrong, I've got to change it. But the women love it. And now that I think it, like if I, could go to a temple and take ritual baths with all y'all while we're all on our periods. No men, no housework, no, oh my God, make my doggy day, fam. That sounds great. <laughs> I would do that anytime. Um, but today is my 120th day of pregnancy. And so um, there's, I looked into a lot of different ceremonies when I was pregnant with Reiner. We were on the road, I was working pretty hard. So there wasn't really any ceremony, but we live in between the Navajo and the Zuni reservations. And the Zuni are actually very cool because they're the only tribe that wasn't relocated. They've always lived here. They've always lived here in the Zuni mountains. And so it's kind of an interesting energy because a lot of their rituals and stuff have, have been preserved. Um, and I don't know as much about the Zuni as I do about the Navajo, but the Navajo have a tradition for everything. Baby's first laugh is a ceremony. Baby's first food is a ceremony. Your 120th day of, of pregnancy is a ceremony. You lose the baby, it's a ceremony, but everything is treated with ritual and treated with reverence. And I did Joseph Campbell's, I, I watched Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth this year while it was on Netflix, amazing. And I realized that, you know, his big mission, he's like, look, there used to be many rites of passage, many rituals, all kinds of different ways that we commemorated these significant experiences in our life. Who here has a life partner, but they're not married? life partner, but they're not married. And who here thinks that like, probably like the marriage just doesn't really seem like something that you'd ever do. Okay, well, good. That, that's still on people's vision boards. For me, I'm like, have a bunch of people out here, feed them, dress them. Like, well, no, no, thank you. Um, 
but these ceremonies are important. Like I, until I watched Joseph Campbell, I was like, dude, I need to have some type of commitment ceremony with Patrick or something because these, even though we've all like grown out of them, we're not high maintenance. We don't really need something like that. Like commemorating these huge steps, commemorating moving in together. I love the New York special about moving in together. So when your friend kind of lets it slip out that she's moving in with her boyfriend, yeah, it just makes sense financially. He needed a new place. I needed a new place. It just like makes sense. And we're like, you know, just kind of gradually doing it. That's like the New York special. It's a thing to be celebrated. Taking that next step with a partner, that's a huge thing to be celebrated. That's like a champagne event for sure. But all of these little things that happen, you know, we're so used to, this is why I'm really adamant about grief work. All of these huge things happen in our life and we just went, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Or I don't need that. I'm like low maintenance. It's not that important. And even if it's just something small, like it's so important to commemorate it. And if it's something that hurt you, like it's really important to commemorate it. So I knew that I wanted to do something this year uh, with this community where we could all uh, have a reminder that we're here for each other. And so this isn't just limited to anybody that's pregnant right now, anybody that's had kids or not had kids. But of all the different ceremonies and stuff I read, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not really like a flower crown and kumbaya kind of lady, you know, I'm not. Um, traditionally, the blessing way ceremony is about honoring the matrilineal relationship, honoring, you know, the things that you've learned from your mom and the things you need to unlearn from your mom. But we do a lot of that here anyways. But the simplest little tradition that I found that I thought was so interesting, and then we can all work on this if you're interested in participating, we can all work on this while we listen to some, uh, some stories, but is the tradition of tying a red string around your wrist or your ankle at the woman's blessing way. And you all, it, this is to remind you to pray for that woman. And when the baby's born, you all cut the bracelet. So I'm going to be putting mine on my ankle, but this is not just about me and this baby because everything that we do, like where we go one, we go all, we're all doing it together. It takes one person going first, but you get to bring all your homies with you. But during coronavirus and during the last few months, like, man, I've heard from a lot of moms out here that are struggling. I've heard from a lot of women that are struggling. I've heard of people's sisters that are struggling and a lot of people that need prayer right now maybe for a health issue, maybe for a financial issue, maybe like your shit just keeps getting destabilized and you can't seem to find your feet. Maybe you've gone through a rough breakup. Maybe you've gone through, you've lost a job that was really meaningful to you. Maybe you have no direction in your life for the first time and everything just like keeps happening to you. Um, if this is how you're feeling right now, like whatever it is, that's your intention, whatever you need prayer for, whatever you'd like support with, I'd like you to put this into your bracelet and your, or your anklet and know that we're praying for you the same way that you're praying for me. I'm like, you're not alone in this. We're here to help you. can only help you as much as you tell us, but like, you're not fucking alone. And there's so much, I, I do Qigong once a year and talk about it for the rest of the year. I do Qigong and I, that Master Lee, who I just love, he, um, he always has these little quotes in the qigong that are so simple but are super profound and one of the quotes that he said is, is he's like think happy thoughts my least favorite quote but he says there are always people who want to help you there are always people around who want to help you 
Um, so if there's anything that you're feeling alone or struggling with whatsoever, um, let us let us help you. And even if it's not something that you feel like communicating verbally right now, just know that like there's magic in these little ceremonies, even if it's just a stupid piece of red string or pink. I have to mix pink and orange together for mine because I actually don't have any red. Um, but whatever it is, like, you know, we're here for you and we want to help you. So what, who I would like to talk to is some who here has had more than one baby? Who here has had a second baby? Okay, awesome. All right. So I'm going to go to Tanya first. And I'm going to, and I know Tanya has red string flying around. Um, great. Take yourself off and mute, Tanya, and tell us a little bit about your, the birth of your second baby and her name or his name. Tell us the whole story. Uh, my second baby was actually my biggest baby. And yeah? Yeah. He was eight pounds, eight ounces. Woo! He's a big <laughs> kid. But uh, I, was, I was huge during that pregnancy, too. And uh, he was pretty uncomplicated. I, labor was rough. Um, but that was back when I did. Okay. That was back when I did hospital births. So, you know, I didn't know any better. I was in that system where, oh no, the epidural, I need that right now because this, this sucks. But all of my babies are sunny side up. So I've just realized that uh, labor just is not fun for me because they're all sunny side up, every one of them. What does sunny side up mean? Face? So facing up instead of down. Oh, how so interesting when, that all your babies are, are, all your babies do the same thing. They do, they come out like, they, none of them ever had any misshapen heads, nothing, but they're all facing up and then they spin right when they come out. Yay. So. It's so funny because sometimes she, like I have a friend that's pregnant with her first one right now. And she's like, I'm just praying that my baby's going to be under five pounds. I'm like, honey, it doesn't, <laughs> when it's a baby in your badge and the fuck it, you know, and you think it's coming out of your asshole because like there's <laughs> this much dividing your asshole from your badge like I'm surprised that like your badge thank god for our perfect vaginas and baby never like accidentally busts through a wall and comes out of your butthole instead but like trust me especially when it's your first kid you're not going to know the difference if that baby's fucking 10 pounds or five pounds because I'm guaranteeing you that's the biggest fucking thing your pussy's ever yeah. felt my, my eight pounder was way easier than my six pounder so he came out like, but he was all squishy and fluffy. So everything was just squishy and she was all bony. So, you know, I was like, I would rather birth an eight pound baby than a six pound baby. Dude, and all the Kardashians, like I swear, I, I watched some of the Kardashians birth videos because those are all very small women and they've all had like nine pound babies. And I think Cor it was Courtney, yeah, it was definitely Courtney who uh, had the, you can watch it on like the Kardashians or whatever. I've never actually seen whole episodes, but I've seen clips and you see her, she's having a hospital birth. She's down her back, which is when you think about back labor and lying on your back, like geez, it's horrible. that's got to be brutal. Horrible. But you see her pull her baby out herself, like the baby's head starts coming out and she grabs him and pulls it out herself. And she's like this big. And this mm -hmm. baby's like, whoa, boom, you big nine and a half pound baby boy. And these yeah. girls are all like five feet tall. I'm four foot 11, so. Really? I've always yeah. thought of you as being so tall. No, I'm tiny. <laughs> And I thought, like, when I met Kim in real life, Kim's, like, a little bit taller than me. And I, for some reason, I thought Kim was, like, very 
short. That's so, you're the same height as my sister. You have such a tall presence though. Yeah. But I've I been told like, that. I've been, uh, I've, growing up, there's people that won't even approach me because I'm just intimidating. And I'm like, I'm intimidating? How am I intimidating? I <laughs> love yes, presence. Oh my God, I love that. And oh my gosh, that's so cool. So wait, was your second one a boy or a girl? He was a boy. His name is Damien James. I named him after, well, his dad picked his first name. And then uh, his middle name, James, is my brother's name. Cool. My husband, I've picked every name for, we have like 14 animals and one baby, and I've named everything in the house. But Pat, because Patrick usually doesn't have a name idea, but he's very into the name Wiley for a girl at W, like Kylie, but with the W. And he's really into it. And since he brought it up, like, I was like, mm, I don't know. But the first time I heard, I felt the baby kick, I was watching Alicia Keys' 73 Questions on Vogue. And the artist, she was uh, pointing to a painting, a painting by an artist named Kahinda, Kahinda Wiley, really cool artist. And right when she said, Wiley, the baby kicked. So I think that, um, I don't know, I think that this one might be might be a Patrick namer. And I think it's gonna be, I feel like it's auspicious because it's a full moon in Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn. It's my 120th day of pregnancy. And I have a feeling that this baby is gonna be a Capricorn girl. Could be a Sagittarius boy. Could be, I'll be happy with absolutely whatever type of baby I get. But I would love to have a Capricorn baby girl, even though I know, it, you know, seeing a small version of yourself, especially if you had a difficult child, like seeing a small version of yourself. I, I see myself in Reiner, but he's a boy and boys are really different. I know like, you know, raise kids all the same and stuff, but like boys are into different. My, my boy doesn't want to do watch figure skating and cook with me. I'm hoping if I have a little girl, she might, but he wants to go like bang sticks and like play with bugs and get dirt on his feet and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, like I just stay in the house and like do a nice project together. But um, I feel like if I had a little girl and I'm looking at some, you know, somebody that is like me when I used to be a kid, especially if we're the same sign. And I feel like it'll be like the most intense friggin' peyote inner child work experience of my life. So I, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, was your pregnancy really different with the boy? So like your pregnancy with the boy and your pregnancy with the girl, were they really different? Let me un here. I think you have to unmute yourself. Okay. Yeah, they were, they were, all of them were drastically different. All five of them, um, boys, girls, they were all different. And with the second one, he was probably the easiest, my second yeah. pregnancy. Cause my first, I was, I wasn't, I was working. So I was on my feet all the time. Mm. But with my second, I wasn't working because I just had her, and they're only 15 months apart. So wow, they're super close. But yeah, they were drastically different. They were both, um, both easy enough pregnancies. But doctor said that the baby wasn't due for another three weeks. But clearly, he was fine. He was, you know, eight and a half pounds. So he was yeah, perfect. Like, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, he was way ready. He was actually born on my mom's birthday too. Really? Yeah. Oh. And just like so cool. an FYI about due dates, y'all. Tanya, thank you so much for your story. Hi, Tanya's man. Um, thank you so much for your story. 
uh, a thing about due dates is like the the doctor is ever only ever speculating on your due date either. What they're looking for is because you you have two days a month basically where you can get pregnant. And so what they do when they ask you when you had your last period, they calculate when you were ovulating and then they give you a date based on that. But babies all come when they're ready. There's no such thing as a due date. You, but if you want to figure one out, you can figure it out for yourself. Like my due date is the 17th of December. And Reiner was due on the, like the 21st of April. So I've done this earth sign, fire sign cusp before where you're like, which one's it going to be? <laughs> um, so I, I, have a, I have faith. But no offense to the fire signs but every you know like earth and water get along really well air and fire get along really well and i just i i i would love to have another capricorn girl that can boss patrick around because i'll just be like yes <laughs> we get everything that we want <laughs> um but uh they're only ever guessing your due date. And so the whole idea of like induction, et cetera, et cetera. And babies all come at different times. Like I have a friend out here who was born Aries, man. I think he was triple Aries, born a month, one month overdue and breach. And there's not, breach birth really isn't that big of a deal. Like your, your body figures it out just like anything else. But this idea, you know, hearing this story of somebody that's a month overdue and born breach and then seeing this guy's personality and it's like, he's always late. And this is a man with like a very strong presence, always late, but born right, born standing up on his two feet. Okay, right out into the world, put it feet on the ground and that's how he like approaches life. So like kids all come in their own way when they're ready. And uh, I had a really, she was a client of mine that became a really good friend, but her and I were pregnant at the same time. And I had Reiner, I think a month before she did. And I, and then I saw that she had her baby. So after she, everything had calmed down and stuff, I called her, I was like, oh, let's talk about birth. And she said, it was honestly like the worst experience of my whole entire life. It's like her first baby, you know, worst experience of her whole life because the doctor right at 40 weeks was like, oh, your hips are too small. This baby's too big. Baby's going to pass meconium. Basically the baby doesn't take a shit while they're in the womb. So they have a, a shit that's ready to go when they're born. This shit, I swear to God, it's like it's like tar, like you cannot clean this off. It's like it sticks to everything because it's fucking nine months of baby hasn't had a shit. Um, but the doctors kind of threaten you that the baby's going to pass meconium in the, in the womb. They're going to shit themselves and get shit in their lungs and stuff if they're in the womb too long. Now the baby, you know, okay, let's say if I say, oh my God, I shit myself. I'm probably referring to like being so scared of something. When we talk about like being scared, you shit yourself. And so the baby will only ever pass meconium when they're stressed out. It's not when they're stressed out. And so induction inducing a birth will actually make a baby way more likely to pass meconium than just being in the womb for what the doctor has decided was too long. The thing is though, is that like inductions don't really, and inductions is Pitocin and Pitocin is it, it simulates contractions in your body. So it's basically like, let's discomfort this baby out. But the thing is, is that like, no, Pitocin doesn't have shit 
on actual contractions. And if you're not ready to go into labor yet, you'll have an experience like my friend did, where she was in is like 50 hours of induced labor. So full all of the discomfort, everything. And then when it didn't work, they were like emergency C-section have to happen because you've been laboring over 40 hours. And it's like, yeah, because I'm induced. I'm not like actually in labor right now. Um, she had a big traumatic C-section, her scar got infected. And like a C-section is a super long recovery. It has a way like that. Yeah, I, I just looked up hashtag C-section recovery and I started crying reading it because it's already so like hard adjusting to being a mom and there's so many emotions and the, the sleep and everything like that. But when you can't even sit up easily because you have a huge incision that gets infected super easily and like, oh, it's just I feel it makes things it makes things so much harder on that woman. It's not an easier option. And uh, so being able to avoid that by having a lot of education around like what is and isn't normal so that if someone says you need to be induced or your baby's going to shit themselves in the womb, you can say, no, thanks. I think I'm going to try. I think I'm just going to let my baby come when it's ready, knowing that they're going to be like, no, that baby's going to die because they're going to get shit in their lungs if you don't deliver. And you can say, well, I know that there's really no such thing as a due date. And I'm really just happy to continue with the birthing plan that we agreed on because induction is not really laboring. If I go longer than 40 hours, it's going to, I'm going to be told that I need a C-section. Like you have to know things like this, but she had a really rough postpartum and a really tragic birthing experience and I like I wish to God that I had told her see she was like a client of mine right so I didn't want to like impose my birthing choices on her you know but I wish that I would have been a little bit braver and telling her hey like listen to the free birth society podcast or like read birth without fear or something like that just because you never know where your baby's gonna come so you might as well know how to handle it yourself because you know people have birthed in taxi cabs and all of these things and like you know or COVID-19 hits and you might not want to go into the hospital but it's just really important to have like a backup plan and to even just have a little bit of awareness around like what a normal birth looks like because like it's all normal you don't ever get the birth that you want praying for an easy birth it's not supposed to be easy it's not supposed to be easy it's not supposed to not hurt but for everyone that's had an epidural you've tried pure heroin once that's the purest heroin that you can get in the world the pure so if you ever wanted to know what that you know an epidural 100 percent pure heroin and you know what if i could try it once with not with no consequences of course i'd fucking do it are you kidding me? The purest of the year? I'd give that a shot for sure. And just a little like segue on that. If a heroin addiction actually worked the way that people think it does, where it's just like a chemical addiction and not an, um, a formula for getting out of emotional pain, you'd be hooked on heroin after an epidural. You'd be hooked on heroin after any energies, after any uh, injury. So that's not how, how that works. But uh, I wish that I wish that I had known. I, I wish that I would have been a little bit braver about telling her to just research some other things because she had like, and she's like, I never want to have kids again. I'm terrified, and of course she's terrified of it. You know how fucking shitty it is to labor for like 40 hours. Like that shit's serious, and then to have to get a C-section because like the doctor's over it, and what you get is like, imagine, imagine if you like. 
if you had trained for 10 months to run a marathon and you were like, cool mindset, like I'm on it, I'm doing this every single day. And then like the, you know, something unexpected happens. Maybe you twist your ankle or it ends up taking longer than normal, but you're like, I'm going to finish this race. Like I said, I was going to, and right be before the finish line, someone's like, no, sorry, we're taking you out. We're taking you, you can't do it. And you're like, and you believe them, like you still put in all of that work to do it, but you never got to cross the finish line. Like I, I wouldn't have such a problem with C-sections if moms didn't feel like it was their fault. I like so many moms have had C-sections and I feel so bad for them because they all, uh, there's a very, very, very rare, they're all like a 2% chance of you actually needing a C-section, very small chance. Um, but it wasn't ever these women's fault. And like, when you feel like you couldn't do this thing that all other women could do, you feel separate from all other moms. And this is why like women who've had C-sections or weren't able, you know, you, you have a C-section, baby gets sent off to the NICU, you never get to bond in that way, breastfeeding becomes a big trial. And you end up with all of these moms that are super emotionally fragile and, and deal with that by being insanely defensive about, no, the doctor saved my life and formula is just as good as breastfeeding and all these, because that's, you know, like they're in a lot of, they're in a lot of pain. And I totally understand that. But this is becoming the norm because over one third of women will have a C-section, which leads to, you know, when they say, oh, it's an emergency, the fucking baby's got to go off to, you know, we had to give you a C-section. We'd love to get an extra week of payment out of you. We're going to put the baby in the NICU for like testing and all of this stuff. And then you have issues breastfeeding because the baby wasn't getting the colostrum, the baby was around, like all of this world of problems. It sets you up, thank you so much, daddy. It sets you up for like a really hard go of parenting. Not to mention the only thing that the baby knows is in the world is like the sound of your voice. So when the baby's cut out of the body before they were ready, especially after being like shook up by induced labor, and then it's like, okay, well, like, where is my mom? And they like lay you on your mom's face because you're fucking zonked out from a C-section and then whisked off to be alone in like an incubator. That's a hard introduction to life. And that, those of you that have done Wheels Reinvented and we talk about the root chakra and guilt, like the feeling that you don't belong on earth because you got here before you were ready. You didn't go through your transition. You didn't go through the birth portal. Like these rituals, these rites of passage are too important to just say, you know what, let's not talk about it anymore because I don't want to hurt someone's feeling that got brutalized by the birthing industry. I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to like shame them. So I'm not going to talk about the benefits of breast milk. I'm not going to talk about the benefits of knowing your rights. I'm not going to talk about the power of birthing. Like it's becoming one third of women will go through this experience of a traumatic birth and a C-section, which means their kids are going through it too. And there has to be at least a few witches left in the wood that know, woods that know women's secrets. That can be like, yeah, you don't have to do it like that. And on it, if it's not the right time for you to have a baby, you don't have to do it like that. Here's how you can keep yourself from getting pregnant in the future. Here's what you can do about being pregnant now. Like these people are acting, Planned Parenthood has perfectly positioned themselves as being like the mom that nobody had yeah you can talk to your mom about sex you, your mom doesn't understand like what you're into like we'll be your mom 
we won't ask you any questions. Like, we'll be your mom. We'll put you on this, however old you are, whatever. And it, they've like positioned themselves as, as this like loving mother who supplies the only healthcare and the only contraceptives. And is the only, you know, like you, people say, well, it was the only place that I could go to get a pap smear or something. That's actually not true. There's free clinics all over the place. Now, are there free qu clinics run by women for women? Well, actually still no, because Planned Parenthood isn't one of those. And I'm saying like, we need things like this. This was always the purpose of a witch. The thing is, is like so many people are getting pumped through Planned Parenthood, either destroying their concept of fertility through just like constantly fucking with their hormones and being on birth control or getting an abortion with no aftercare, with no like aftercare whatsoever. And that shit, it's just, we, we shouldn't have to go through stuff like this. And there's gotta be, you know, witches always talk about like the old way, the old way, but like, there's gotta be a few women that are still like, listen, I understand that everyone says you need a doctor to do this now, but this is not actually true. And there's ways of getting around it and I can help you. There's gotta still be a few people that aren't afraid to be like that anymore. Does that make sense? All right, Phaedra, let's talk about baby number two. So you had a son first and then Althea's, uh, you said 16 months? Making my little, my little pink and orange bracelet now. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to ask you to, um, oh, there you go. Zoom's making everything. Uh, so my daughter, she is 18 months as of yesterday. Hey. Capricorn, baby girl. Oh my gosh, love. She is just able to get whatever she wants. It's, it's incredible. Even She even works her magic on me. I turn around and I'm doing the thing she desired. I'm like, well, how is this happening? I just said this wasn't going to happen. She's oh, that's what my son does that he uses I, like I'll be like Reiner we're gonna go downstairs and eat some breakfast he's gonna be like we're not gonna go downstairs and eat some breakfast like he does the not thing but but <laughs> yesterday he was doing something really funny I was sitting here like you know working on something or whatever and I had seen you know he was like walking around like talking to himself kind of and I was like what's he saying because he's like really on a mission right now and then uh, when he went by me I like really listened <laughs> as he walks by he goes I'm walking around I'm feeling great. What's going on here? Thank you. Ralphie is bringing me all of the dirty laundry and putting it in the clean laundry right now. Oh Thank my you. Thank you. Thank you. So, what was it like being pregnant with a girl versus being pregnant with a boy? I want to know if there's anything to these. So, I did not. I didn't find out what we were having. I let it be a surprise. Um, my first was a, a home birth with a midwife and doula, and then Althea was a free birth. Um, so, so I didn't find I didn't find out with her, and um, but I had like a psychic contact me, and I've never gone to a psychic before. I was going to be like vending at this festival, and she was going to be there, and she contacted me, and I was in a bath, and she was like, "I have a message from your child," and I'm like, "Oh." Sure, I'll lay back in a bubble bath and entertain this for a minute. And she told me exactly pretty much that the baby I ended up with. Um, and I wanted to believe it so badly because I wanted a daughter. I didn't want another son. My, my husband has three. I have one. We were all ready for some feminine energy. But I was, um, I was really, really sick to my stomach with her, like mm -hmm. a lot more so than my son. Um, 
I, I threw up a lot more with her. I mean, I was just always bloodshot, just broken blood vessels all over my face for months. Um, that, really that was me with Reiner, though. Like, I was sick to death with Reiner. And this time, I, I only puked twice this whole pregnancy. But tired, man, I've been so fucking tired. But also, like, when I, I have, like, weird vegan fetus babies that, like, every time I'm pregnant, can't eat any meat, no cheese, no dairy, nothing. It's, like, cucumbers, watermelons, lemons, and oranges. Like, that's all I can have. And I'm, you know, like, look, when you're pregnant, whatever you're craving, you got to eat it. So I could be craving cheeseburgers and donuts. Like, I'm not exactly complaining here. But all I can say is like, I'm so fucking happy Serena's out here helping me with the home stuff because man, I have like no extra energy left over. I've spent, I've spent like the last two months in bed. I'm not even kidding. But it's yes, good. I was really, really, really tired. Um, and I would feel so guilty for it back then, yeah, you know, just staying in bed all day and my husband would get off work and I'd be like, oh, I haven't even like stood up even to pee, like, what have I been doing? Um, I was just so tired, I was so tired. So how was your birth? So my birth, do we, do you want that ball? So my birth, uh, Althea went to uh, 42 weeks. Good so a good 10 month pregnancy and I turned my cycles, I knew exactly the moment that uh, Papa Bear fertilized my eggs. I know the moment I'm pregnant. Too. I like. I know the moment that I'm pregnant. And I Although told him I, we were not going to be. We'd already stopped having unprotected sex. And he told me, I didn't think it would work. I was just kind of like getting into the idea of having a baby, you know. And um, that's why it wasn't ever like men witches out in the hunt. And <laughs> the you know, it's like yeah, that's well, that's how it works. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little shocked that he had came in me. Um, <laughs> But uh, all the kids were out in the yard and the door was locked. We were banging in the kitchen. It was a real family affair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, how, long were you, how long did you labor for? Like the first labor, first um, yeah, to get back to that. Um, it was a little shorter than my son by about, I'd say, eight or nine hours. But um, my mom came down to surprise me. Now, I don't have my mom at my birth. Either one, I've not allowed her in. I want to be a person who can do that, but there's too much there. So um, she came to town and surprised me. And that night I went into labor. So she took my son and went to a hotel for them to swim and have fun. And, uh, and I labored, gosh, I don't know. It was probably 30 something hours. You wow. Know? but not intense labor for 30 hours, you know, most yeah, of them. Just so like easy. notice for everybody here that's like thinking, but you know, there's active labor and there's regular labor. Now active labor, like regular labor with your first one, you start counting your labor right then because yeah, contractions like more intense than anything else than you've gone through before. So it's really, I think the reason why, um, so many people's labors are longer with their first one is because you really start counting it from, I started counting labor because I thought my water broke, but actually I just pissed the bed. Like I finally, that last day of pregnancy, I couldn't handle it anymore and I pissed the bed. And uh, so that's when I started counting my labor, like right at that point. But uh, 
Did that, I think that Instagram TV, IGTV has like changed their thing and now it's only 30 minute videos or whatever. Um, it's been cutting out on me a lot too. I wondered if something changed. Oh my God. And it's also Mercury retrograde right now. So <laughs> that has something to do with it. But uh, the, with the second one, it's like, you know, a little bit more of what to expect. And so in the beginning, you know, that first labor, I was just like, wait, oh my God, when is this baby going to come? When is this baby going to come? But active labor, like I was only in active labor and let me, active labor looks like can't do anything else except for be present with what you're going on, with what's going on. Active labor also feels like you're free to take a shit. I was puking. Um, I was crying. Uh, but no, no, actually I wasn't crying because I had gotten pretty stubborn there, but I was crying at like the 20 hour mark. Cause I was like, I wanted to have this baby at 6 PM, which I did the next day. But, <laughs> but I really thought, you know, I was like my jacuzzi birth and the whole thing. But I feel like with the second one, you know a lot more about like what to expect. So instead of being, instead of making suffering out of the discomfort of the beginning, like early labor, you can kind of just, you know, go, you fold the laundry or find something to do or whatever. Yeah. So when I'm saying a 30 hour labor, I mean, probably only from the, the last four hours where, where it was on, you know, there, there was nothing else. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, my husband, I, I stayed in the water almost the whole time. With my son, I got out, but I only got out at the instruction of a midwife and doula saying it was being slowed down because I was in the water. Um, so this time I just stayed in the water as long as I fucking wanted to because I was the boss. Um, yeah, so my that's the shit bit about doulas and midwives. It's like, they don't fucking know what you're going through. Like They were great, but it was like, it was because it had been a long time. So yeah. let's get you out, change positions to get this going. That's yeah. their line, not mine. So with my husband, he just ran back and forth, um, putting hot water in the pool, taking cold water out. And he just came and did that repeatedly. Um, and that was really the only role he played until he was in the other room. And I stood up. I birthed my son on all fours, but I stood up and I screamed for him. And he came in and I grabbed around his neck and I was, he was like, what, are you okay? Are you getting out? And I was like, no, the head and her little <laughs> head. I prayed for a tiny head because my son ripped my labia. And I said, please, a girl with a small head, but a big brain. And so, <laughs> so she, her head came out and I was still standing um, with a leg raised, instinctively raised my right leg. I think she had been turned that way. Um, and she came out and then I kind of collapsed into the water as I pulled her body out. And she had had the cord wrapped around her neck a few times. And when I Super tell people normal. this, it's always so alarming and it's not abnormal at all. This is totally normal. I just flipped her around a few times underwater and just slowly brought her up to me. And it was, God, I don't know. It's akin to almost a way that I've ex explained it is like platonic orgasm because it's not sexual, but it completely is. Um, and that's all, that's all motherhood, honestly. Like, yeah. if you never, like if you haven't had a fucking baby boy crawling up and down, like dominating your tits, like it's a very, you know, like it's a very interesting, my son has fucking ravished the shit out of my breasts, you know, <laughs> like.
I'm like, damn, dude, I used to have a hardcore like nipple kink. And now it's interesting. Like I was talking with Reem about it. Um, you know, like the pleasure of breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is such like a sensory experience as well. And I used to have like a really hardcore nipple kink. So if I ever try and like tune, there's obviously shame work that I have to do. Um, but if I ever try and tune into the pre like the pleasure of breastfeeding, it's honestly just overwhelming for me. It's just like too, I'm like, no, I do a lot better with breastfeeding when I'm just kind of focusing on something else at a time because it's just like so much going on. Um, but so who here has ever seen like pictures of a water birth or whatever? And you're like, holy shit, is that baby drowning? Because the baby's like underwater. So the baby gets the oxygen and everything from the umbilical cord. So there's this, you know, a lot of babies are slow to start. Like, I mean, five minutes before they start, you know, kind of waking up and crying or even, you know, sometimes you're like, are they breathing enough? But they're getting all of that air through their umbilical cord. And like 95% of babies will have the cord wrapped around their neck multiple times. It doesn't, that doesn't mean that like the doctor, my husband's like, yeah, well, how, well, Reiner was born with his cord around his neck. So like I was able to like, you know, keep him from suffocating. I'm like, you sure did, honey, that's right. Um, because, you know, you gotta, you men have to be the hero. But slow starting is very normal. It's no cause for alarm. And you have like five minutes of the baby still getting oxygen, so getting everything through that umbilical cord. So I, and like what I recommend is just watching a lot of, you know, just look up hashtag free birth or hashtag home birth or hashtag water birth and just see like all the different ways that babies start up. But being a slow and like pink up as well, babies will be born all kinds of fucking weird colors, but they'll you know like these are not emergency situations and i'm my sister has like her we each have our like thing that drives us crazy about hollywood for her it's babies crying in movies um not like babies crying in a movie theater but like scenes where a baby is crying in a movie and it's just obvious my sister says animals get treated better in hollywood than children do and it's true like when you see like the kids as extras in these situations. I remember watching Narcos and, you know, I guess they adopt a baby or whatever, but they adopt this baby because she's sitting in a high chair when her entire family is gunned down in front of her. And it's this a baby in a high chair surrounded by bloody dead bodies screaming her head off. And it's like, this kid is traumatized right now. Like, can we not cut these scenes out of movies? So that's my sister's vendetta but for me it's why does every home birth in movies go terribly wrong why is it that every time someone a mom has a birth at home she dies like this is a huge stereotype it's a huge way that we we uh, it really informs what we think is normal when we haven't had a baby yet and it's just like and what man i was watching Vikings and this one really pissed me off because they're like the babies breathe you know it's Torby if you guys haven't seen Vikings you should great show to get into daddy Bill I'm telling you but for the oh my god the women are warriors the men are warriors hot wank fantasy but um she is having her baby and they're like oh the baby's breached the baby's breached yeah fucking all kinds of babies are breached it's really not that big of a deal a specific type of person comes into the world feet first and ready to go it's someone that hits the ground running like that's a breach birth 
footling breach, same thing where just like the foot comes out. So basically like imagine that the baby's in kind of like a jackknife position with just their leg hanging out. There's a foot dangling out of your badge. Also, that's considered to be like the worst breach. Totally fine. You'll figure it out. Um, but Torby is like having a baby and it's going slow or whatever. And she's not able to have the baby. And then some fucking Christian guy comes and prays over her and like they're Vikings, they're pagans, right? Well, some Christian guy comes and prays for her and the baby comes right afterwards. And I'm like, men don't give, the, the, the story that the patriarchy is trying to push is that men give birth. Men give birth. And because that's such a retarded concept that it's like, okay, well, we have to convince women to give up birth. Because women would be like, honey, anybody that's given birth is like, look, you can be a lot of like emotional help. You can get me ice water. You can bring hot water into the bathtub. But nothing anyone can do is going to change the fact that this baby is coming out of that hole when it's ready. Not going to hurt less at the hospital. Not going to hurt less with more people watching. Like that's the way that it's going to go. That's just how it is. All kinds of way people, ways people can be supportive. For you while you're going through that all kinds of ways people can be not supportive of you while you're going through that my mother-in-law wants to come out from the birth i'm like honey no 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 no. you can come afterwards she's like what date i'm like you don't get a date after the baby's born we can talk about it but like no fucking ways i'm having a worry wart here you know suggesting we go to the hospital um but there's really if you've ever given birth, you know that no one can do that except for you. And when you've done it, you're like, holy shit, watch these birth videos after, you should see these moms' faces. I did it. Like their faces, you're just like, I did it. I can't believe like I did it, I did the thing. I did it, I could do any. It's like this crazy feeling that empowers you. You're just like a different woman afterwards. And that's why there's been such a conspiracy to take it away. But the whole thing is to say like men give birth men give birth, men give birth. So like when you can't birth your baby because your hips are too small, don't worry, the man can cut you open. When you, you're pregnant, oh, we've got to go see the man because they, you know, can show you how to be pregnant so that you're not doing anything. And it's just like, I fucking hate that shit. These are women powers. They're women powers. And like, regardless of where you are on like the gender spectrum, be, you know, if you're a man that wants to be a woman, then it's like, yes, we have to respect what women are capable of. And if you're, if you're a woman on the outside and a man on the inside, then it's like honor that because it's not about being, it's not about stopping being a woman and starting becoming a man or vice versa. It's about honoring like your life. If you grew up in a woman's body and now you're a man, like you got to honor that. You didn't go through what little boys go through. You had a specific set of sufferings and afflictions that come with a woman's body, regardless of who you are on the inside. And part of transitioning out of that is like, you can't, you have to honor the truth of your story, regardless of where you are on like the, the gender spectrum. But divine masculine must be honored and divine feminine must be honored. And if it's not trying to say that everyone can do everything like we're not all supposed to be the same we're not all supposed like it would be a very boring world if we were all the same all of us have different powers all of us have different talents but like women's powers bleeding breastfeeding birthing and unconditional love and these are all things that like they could never be taken away from you you would have to give them up 
So this whole, that's why I'm so fucking anti-Planned Parenthood and so anti this like fake feminism movement because the whole thing is to take away women's power and tell them that you're giving them power. Like taking away the power of breastfeeding, handing them formula and saying, this is what empowerment looks like. Look how cute Althea is. Look at this baby girl. Oh my gosh. Hello. 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 Look at this beauty bell. Hello. <laughs> so sweet so sweet wow, it drives me it drives me crazy um uni's had some babies uni are you there i know that uni usually has her kids hanging out too while she's on a call so i don't know if it's a good time for her to talk about okay who here really needs some okay uh, i'm going to talk to uni but then i've added one red bead to this little bracelet so far and uh, if there's anyone that really needs some prayer right now, regardless of where you are, I'm going to put a prayer into this bead for you. And this is also, I've decided right now that this bead will signify whether I have a boy or a girl, this will be my baby's, um, like not compromising. So this bead means that my kid won't get talked into doing something that they don't want to do. And that's my little prayer for this baby that they won't get talked into something they don't want to do. But if you have a little prayer that you need some prayer for, I'll put a bead on there for you too. And I'll pray for you every time I see it. Um, Uni, who is your second babe? Um, my second um, is my daughter, Naomi. She's 29, going to be 29. Um, her birth, well, all of my births were kind of like in shame I was young I was 16 and 18 and 20 so when I when I was pregnant with all of my children the doctor said that I wasn't fit to to be a mother so they wanted to remove them before I had them um so my grandmother stood up and said that I'm going to be living at home but all my births were I had a way that I wanted to deliver but as I was young nobody listened so doctors had their way, I carried all of my children 10 months. And it wasn't the birth that was traumatic, it was the treatment. Mm. I mean, my first one, I'm 16, I'm going into the hospital, I hear women screaming, I was by myself. Oh. Anything. So when, I'm, when she was doing an internal, I was scared and I screamed and she said, well, if you couldn't get yourself in this situation, then I don't see why you're, why you're crying. You're, you're not in pain. So they kind of just left me. Yeah, they kind of just left me to it. I heard all these women screaming. Nobody explained anything to me. So it was really traumatic. Oh really my traumatic. Gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And this is really, it's really important to honor like your birth story, especially if it didn't go the way that you wanted it to. Like you, women are brutalized by the birthing industry, especially black women. I don't know what, like, I don't know what the fuck it is. I mean, I'm sure it's just like the, the black people have a birthright in Israel that white Ashkenazi Jews want. And so I'm pretty sure that just like anywhere that they could fucking sneak it in to like make black people feel like they're the lowest fucking men on the totem pole, lowest women on the totem pole. Like don't miss an opportunity to do that. But I'm absolutely not oblivious to all the stigma around like black maternal death, black women and breast cancer rates, the amount of black women that feel comfortable breastfeeding or not because they were like the freaking shame agenda that went through. But like, 
I, you know, what's crazy is I've talked to so many people about like black maternal death and I really feel like it's a, a fake statistic that just kind of got put in there to suggest to people that maybe God just likes black people a little bit less. Like, I feel like they're like, I think that it's just this sick fucking agenda where they're like, yeah, well, you know, black women just have a lot of problems with breastfeeding and a lot of problems with birthing and a lot of problems with the, and like, but the, like, I've learned a lot this last year too from following people like Marzi Jane and stuff talking about the treatment and stuff that black women have around birth and prenatal care and stuff in general. And it's so fucked up. Like for someone to say something like that to you when you're giving birth, like when you're in a hospital and you're alone, like that's super fucked up. That's super fucked up. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Take yourself off of mute though, because I can't hear you. Someone on the Instagram says, what's worse is that we're brutalized by other women. My nurses were just so cold. Yeah. Yeah. Stirrups are also cold. Let me try and unmute you again. Can you take yourself off? That's oh, there it. You go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was, I think with all of my pregnancies, just carrying them in shame because of my age and it was, it was, it was the type of thing that, you know, it was, I was the only person in the area, the only person in the family. So, well, I wasn't. <laughs> so I've had my daughters young. I was the first, I'd say, to have them young. So it was a lot of shame. And then with my son, I had him at 42. And I kind of made my decision again, I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to push the way they said I have to push. I'm doing it all myself. But because of my age, they said that they had to induce me. So they booked me for an induction on the 6th of January, 2015. I went into labor. I went into labor on the 5th of um, January, 2015. And had him, yeah, had him just before the, uh, before the date they wanted to induce me. But again, they tried to dictate how they wanted me to have him. But I did it myself. It was smoother. For you, Uni. I'm putting this bead, I'm putting this little orange bead on this bracelet specifically to honor you, but also all of the other moms who had their birth experience fucked with, manipulated, who were told something really mean, who had you were pushed around by doctors. And I'm putting this orange bead on um, as a prayer to remind me to like really stand up for what I believe in, that it's not fucking okay to treat women like this, but also that there's so much, you know, for every person that's had a birth like that, like that shit's really sad. And to honor like all of the women who have had such terrible birthing experiences that have allowed me to have something to fucking talk about, right? Like something that I'm fervently against. Like I understand that I've had better birth experiences than almost anybody else that I know have had a better birth experience than almost anybody else that I know. And it's really easy to not want to talk about that because you don't want to make people feel bad who haven't done it like that. But like, it's fucked, it's fucked up the way that you were treated. It's fucked up. And uh, and this is my uh, my little bead of commemoration for all of those who've had a who've had a traumatic birth. Um, you guys can see Uni's little son. Like we've gotten to see, meet so much of Elijah because he was in the Empress group. 
I love this baby. Um, is there anybody that feels like they need a lot of prayer right now around anything maternal? Maybe it's breastfeeding, postpartum, wanting to get pregnant, healing something in the past. Is there anybody that feels like they have, or even just like a woman thing that they would like some prayer around? Just go ahead and... Um, I'm going to go to somebody that hasn't talked. I'm going to go to someone that hasn't talked yet just because we have a lot of, just raise your hand. Um, is that you raising it? Okay, cool. I couldn't tell your hand was over the thing. Okay, so I'm unmuted. I'm asking you to unmute. I can't see your, it's more than Marga. There we go. Go ahead. Hi, guys. So I wanted to pop on because there's something that I've kind of uh, had challenging, like and, and coming to terms with this year. Hang on, let me turn off something in my kitchen. It is sizzling. I will be right back. No worries, we get it. No worries, we get it. And um, if there's anybody else that wants to go after her, just go ahead and raise your hand here with the little, you know, there's some way that you can do it on the, you know, the little icon that comes up. Go ahead, Margo. So I was in, um, well, a, a very, you know, life happens, a series of things had happened and I was diagnosed with endometriosis last year. I knew oh, something. Sorry. I knew oh, that, thank you. I knew that something was way off because my cycles were not regular. I was so unhappy. My hormones were all over the place. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was out of my mind. And, um, and I had this undiagnosed endometriosis for maybe just over two years before any doctor would listen to me. They were all, all like, oh, it can't be that bad. Oh, this is just being a woman, honey, like shape up and like, like just suffer through it like the rest of us. And these are women doctors, which was the fucked up thing. Um, but essentially I, and this was before I really had found like this group and gotten uh, acquainted with it. And like, you have to be compassionate for, with yourself for what, what you didn't know. And what you didn't know was out there for you. But long story short, essentially, I, I had a procedure where they vaporized my lesions. So mm. those would not like bother you anymore. The Western idea of cutting stuff out. And on that same leg, I elected for, and it's like shocking now to like think about this, but I elected for sterilization. Mm. And... I still have like, I still have like my ovaries. I am producing, I am menstruating, which I'm so thankful for my menstruation cycle. Like currently is actually probably the most predictable and enjoyable that it's been in my entire life. Um, but I did opt for sterilization and part of me, honestly, like part of me really grieves that opportunity to naturally conceive. Of course, funny. <laughs> And I also, and I used to get mad at myself that I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was, I was hurting so bad. <laughs> and this was what the doctors told me would help and that I could do. And I listened. <laughs> and <laughs> within the last few months, particularly, I've really, really had to dive into my heart and ask and and just accept where I'm at now, accept what is now. And the maternal part of me, ironically, 
has come to life more so than ever before after this procedure and I'm shaking. <laughs> but I am coming to embrace that the universe is always going to know how and that the way I move forward in my life and what I know I will have the opportunity to embrace in the future is a non-traditional way of mothering and and I just have this sense that I'm going to either be able to adopt or be a mom for someone whose mom can't be there for them. And that's been really challenging to examine that my path isn't going to look isn't going to look like every other woman's. And I am going to feel separate to a degree. But I have to find a way to channel the maternal sense and drive and desire in a way that serves another person, that serves myself. And it's just not going to look how I thought it was going to look. But I know I'll have the opportunity to do it. It's just going to look different. And I'm really thankful to be in this group of women because when you share your experience, we're all crying for you too. Like this a power bead going on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But this group particularly in Bruja, has made me feel that I'm not alone and that even just things that I pick up from hearing about your experiences mothering and ex hearing about your experience as a transition from the uh, like maiden into the um, matriarch, matriarch is something that really blesses me right now and helps me just come to terms with the way things are now. Thank you so, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I'm so happy that there was some light put on this because I, my, um, Somebody that I, I spent a lot of time with, somebody that I was really close to and have known almost uh, my whole life. She, uh, Robin, she, you know, we grew up in a cult with like absolutely no women care whatsoever. And so she had undiagnosed endometriosis for like a really long time. And everyone's just like, get over it, you know, like get not understanding like what excruciating pain she was in all the time. So after like years of just being, 
pain. They were like, oh, fine, we'll take you to some fucking back alley doctor in Mexico to give you an, you know, to not give you an abortion, but to give you, um, uh, they're, they're going to do a surgery on you or whatever. And when she woke up from it, they told her that she wouldn't be able to have children anymore. Like she didn't opt into it. She didn't elect. And this is somebody who has wanted her whole life to be a mom. And, and she's married to somebody that says that they couldn't love a kid if it wasn't their own. And so the cutoff, she's, you know, like when I first, when I first met her, you know, I really wanted to take the route of like, oh, well, it, you know, in God, nothing shall be impossible. But something that a lot of, uh, that I don't think is addressed sufficiently in the spiritual community is the importance of accepting what is is the importance of accepting something that you don't want to accept because only when we accept it that we can be opened up you know that that it can change it's only when we accept something that it can change um and i just want to tell you that like you've never made a wrong turn like there's it's it alternates spirituality between you the, the whole purpose of the bruja report is like the the things i teach on the bruja report that contradict what i teach on my main account and that's why i have two because it's not useful they they seem to contradict each other somebody has to elect into a higher level of teachings and those teachings are are, are surrender and the thing is is that you only you only uh let me think about this. Um, you don't have that much control over your life. It's been written. It's been written. So opting into being sterilized, if you could even fucking call it an option, you know, if you could even- I'm just so fucked in my head, you know, like- These aren't like, you know, I- I understand that like the earth is moving in a way where they think that we should just create the conditions where anyone can be anyone all the time. But like, I really, you know, some options are better left like off the table unless you're seeking them out for yourself. You know, like I'm not, I'm, I, I would be so friggin' honored if my son be, you know, was trans or queer or anything, but like, I'm not going to ask my son every day if he wants to put a dress on. Like, it's just, I just raise him the way I let him do whatever it is that he wants. And I don't feel like I always have to give him an option to like, make sure that he's okay. Like if he ever said like, oh, you know, if we're at Walmart or something and he's like, oh, I want to put that dress on. He will. But actually Reiner calls all of his clothing dresses. It's really, <laughs> it's really, he always says, you want to take your dress off? Um, <laughs> but you can't, you can't make a wrong turn. So that happened because it was supposed to. Yeah, God, like nothing is impossible. But here's because I've really been thinking about this a lot this year. You know, having a name like uh, the Bruja Report, exactly what is a witch, and saying that I teach women, well, exactly what is a woman? And a woman, in my definition, is somebody that's chosen to wholeheartedly embrace the teachings of divine feminine and embody it in everything that they do, to the point where, like, with enough research and discernment onto like what are man teachings and what are women teachings, it's like a woman says every day, like today I will be graceful like today i will today i will embody divine feminine today i will take the feminine approach to things and and it doesn't mean that that's being like even i used to think that business was masculine teachings and like you know everything else was women teachings but actually women were born matriarchs so these are i'm starting to learn that like they are women's teachings for women by women and they're being forgotten and this is like my purpose to bring them back to light but when we talk about women powers, like I really want to emphasize the fourth one. So breastfeeding, yes. 
bleeding, yes. Birthing, yes, but these don't make a woman. These don't make a woman. And the, the fourth one, which they would like to take away from women the most, and they've done a pretty good job of trying to do this, is unconditional love. Who here has ever seen a video or something of a baby? Who here saw a picture of like a Syrian refugee baby and you just like broke into tears? I can't believe that you feel that there's a saying that I like, there are no other people's children. There are no, now this isn't like a snatch a baby out of a stroller, but like we, so the, the levels of the psyche, maiden, mother, and crone, 30 years, 30 years, and 30 years. So ideally, and this, it's not, you know, exact, but if you never had kids, then this would, this would still be the way that your psyche grows as a woman. So maiden, ideally in the first 30 years of your life, you learn how to fucking love yourself. Like you learn how to love yourself. And this is the purpose. It's creating love because all love has to begin with you. Where we go one, we go all. But you have no concept of love until you learn how to love yourself. And that didn't really start for me until I was like well into my 20s. So even if you had a baby when you're like 16, yeah, that grows you up super fast. But this would still, you know, you still have to learn how to love yourself as a mom, even more so when you've never had any time to yourself. So ideally in like the first 30 years of life, you learn how to love yourself. And then you enter the phase of the mother, which is when all of that love that you feel for yourself, you can extend to someone else without it depleting you. Like this is the whole purpose of the maiden mother crone. And the, the power of a woman is that like love is infinite. Love is infinite. A man might be like, you can't love two women at the same time because it's a different Solar says it's only what can be proven. Whatever's in the light, whatever can be seen is what's possible. And Lunar says like in the dark, anything, everyone's got a shadow. In the dark, anything can happen. It's all about secrecy. It's all about back roads. It's all about uh, patience and softness. And it's very, and it's accepting because you don't, it's never shining the license and registration, please. You know, it's just like, hey, 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 you can, uh, you can come out and be yourself at night. Um, but the mother is able to see that love is not depleted. You can love any child as if it's your own. So this is one of the strongest women powers is like when that love, I would let almost any mom watch my kid. I'm not around that many, but like, I know that like a mother, any mother that loves her kids, I'll be able to tell right away. Some people see kids as a gift and some people see kids as a nuisance. And it's really obvious because the people that see kids as a nuisance will always be like, get ready. It's going to be so crazy. And let's see, moms, that see kids as a gift will always be like, such a fun stage. Get ready. Like, it's great. Um, but the ability to love all kids equally, this is like the strongest of all the women powers because this is God. Like, God is unconditional love. And this woman I know that had endometriosis, she said, I could love a baby at any age, any stage. You know how hard it is to love like a friggin' 14 year old that's grown in, in and out of foster homes, fucking in and out of jail, like doesn't matter to her. Doesn't, she's like, I love any age, any stage. I understand that like everyone needs love and it's such, for her, like the mission was even greater. I'm pretty sure she's just with the wrong guy. Um, but the mission was her, was like, I could love, it doesn't have to be my baby. Like it doesn't have to be my baby for need to love them. And like, honestly, I think that the biggest heroes in the whole fucking world are the ones who are able to like adopt children and let like, 
knowing that adopted kids go through, you know, the stages of being, oh, you're not my real mom and all this stuff. But to be able to take anyone else's kids, no matter how inconvenient it is for your life, no matter how you're like, oh my God, was a mom addicted to heroin? Does this mean I'm going to have a school shooter baby or whatever? Because all these fucking thoughts go through your head. But for a very select group of people, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter. And honestly, like it sounds, when I heard, I listened to a, a podcast about surrogacy a few years ago and just listening, you know, to this couple and their conception. It was like a gay male couple that wanted to conceive and, they were going through, you know, it was like $160,000 per pregnancy try with like eggs from a Swedish oh, lady and a womb from an Indian woman that's like be living in a fucking uh, surrogate hostel in like, uh, what's above uh, Burma? What's Burma called now? Where were you? Um, uh, Myanmar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Myanmar. So like <laughs> surrogates hospital in Myanmar where like all of these women are just like surrogates uh, for life basically. And a uh, hundred and six, they had spent like almost 300 grand on like pregnancy attempts. And they were like, well, why don't you just adopt? And to me, like, this makes perfect sense for the world. And if we're going to just veer into conspiracy lovers anonymous, like where are all the kids that need to get adopted? Because people that cannot conceive in gay couples and the amount of fucking unparented children that need homes in the world very it's like this is nature's way of resolving things why the fuck is it so hard to adopt children and then yeah. it's the children go um but this couple was just saying i just couldn't i need to have a kid that looks like me i need to have it's not possible for me to love a kid that doesn't look like me and in my head i'm like and fuck a woman, like for to get over it and recognize that you need a woman to have a kid. It's like 300 grand to, to cut a woman out of the equation. They didn't even see the woman's face. They never even saw the woman's face of like the surrogate. And for so many people, like they just can't get over that if it's not their kid with their genes. And like, I'm looking at a kid that's a mini me all the time and it's a mind fuck. But honestly, like I... I love all babies, all babies, all kids are sweet. Cause I just remember what it's like to be a kid and not a lot of people do, but like, I remember what it's like to be a kid. And when I see experiences happening around children and it's obvious, you know, when I see a kid trying to show their mom a drawing they've done and the mom's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know what it's like to be them. And I really like all kids interest me. All kids I think are beautiful and I want, but honestly, I'm like, I'm fucking terrified to adopt a kid. Cause I'm like, well, what if it's going to be too much for me? Or what if it's crazy? And the fact that like, there are specific, only certain people can handle that. But the women that do and the men that do, doesn't matter what like genitals you're born with. If you're choosing to embody the feminine and everything that you're doing, then being able to love something that's not yours, that's not, being able to just love a child. And so many of us, do, it doesn't matter if there are kids or not. You see that kid suffering and you're just like, I've gotta, gotta get that baby, gotta put them to my breast, gotta, gotta give them snacks, gotta raise, and you're like, I, for the next 15 years, I've got to take care of this child. I need to make sure that this child isn't hurting. I've got to make sure that no child is hurting. And this is the strongest of all of the women powers is the capacity for unconditional love, regard any age, any stage. And I know that 
sometimes looking back, it's like, why the fuck did I do that? I wish that I had known more. I wish that this information existed. Have I fucked myself? Have I made a wrong turn? Have I ruined myself in some way? And it's like, no, no, no. You cannot make a wrong turn. You cannot make a wrong turn. And you didn't make a wrong turn back there. And honestly, like you made that decision because it felt right for you at that time. And if it felt right for you at that time, that was the right choice to make because everything that I teach you says, if it feels good, you've got to do it. And you made all of those choices because they felt good at that time. And even if in hindsight, you're like, man, I really wish I would have made some different choices. Like if I would have just kind of skipped out on the whole blow thing, I think I would have been, I would have had like a few extra years, a few extra brain cells to focus on. Um, but Every time I did blow, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And I felt, and I did it because I wanted to, and I had some shit experiences and I had some great experiences, but like, if it felt like the right thing to do at that time, and it wasn't a choice that you're, oh yeah, yeah, just check this box too while we're at it. You know, like it was a decision that you made because it, it was what you were being guided to do. So you haven't made a wrong turn whatsoever and the breastfeeding and the bleeding and the birthing that's not what makes a woman a woman more than anything the ability to unconditionally love is the highest of all of the feminine powers the fact that you're still bleeding like that's amazing but even if you weren't there's a woman on here that's had a hysterectomy the moon cycles are always there to support you you know all you have to do is just spend one month noticing how you feel with each week that the moon changes it's uh Think, like that's what that's what being a woman is but if you want and this is the bead that I'm putting on for you and I'm putting this out there for anyone else in the world if you want a baby a baby wants you too it wants you too this light these memories um, these future memories these desires and stuff that you have they're not there as like some fucking sick carrot the universe is dangling in front of you like haha never have it you fucked up me 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 it doesn't work like that you want it because you're meant to have it and because it wants you to. And with God, nothing is impossible. So by accepting that if you accept, okay, I'm not going to have a baby the way that everybody else is going to have a baby. I accept that. You're not, we think that if we accept something, then we're manifesting that. Then we're saying like, oh, it's never going to change. But it's only when we accept something that a new opportunity can come. So I don't know how your baby is going to come to you, but I guarantee you that if you want that baby, that baby also wants you and God is time. And at the right time, that baby is yours and you will love that baby or those babies. You will you will love that baby and that baby will love you and you're meant to have it. So this beat is for everyone that feels like they're waiting on the other half of their mothering story. You can't, you can't miss it. Just remember that God is time and everything happens at the right time. I'm praying for you, Margo. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Thank you Thank so you. much for sharing it. You're not a dry eye in the house from that <laughs> one. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right, let's do, uh, let's do, I have to finish this one like little last thing on the bracelet. So is there any burning desire, anybody that would like to share a little something that hasn't gone yet just cause, oh, and just like a word to everybody on the Brewer Report, I get um, fucking messages from people sometimes being like, I joined this mastermind and you never called on me. Bitch, if you don't raise your hand, 
I can't fucking call on you. And I am so surprised. I'm like, dude, I sp if I was ever in a mastermind or something, I'm like the type of person that fakes drowning to get the lifeguard to pay attention to them. Like if I'm paying to be able to talk to someone in a group setting like this, homie, I'm just up, my hand is up like this the whole time. So like, I can only, I, I tell you, I'm like, look, I can't, I got a DM from someone the other day being like, you know, I've been on Bruja for a long time, but I just like, don't, I like, don't feel like participating. I'm like, the word water is not going to get you wet. I fucking will. But the word water is not going to get you wet. So like you have, if you want, I can help you only as much as you allow me to, because I'm not even on Zoom. I'm not even allowed to just straight up take you off a of mute anymore and be like, bitch, I've seen you on five circles. You never open your mouth. I know you're going through some shit. Speak to me. <laughs> but if there's anyone that wants to add a little something to this or have a little prayer that I can put in here for you while we finish this bracelet and then we'll all put ours on and, uh, and go around our day. Just raise your hand. Look at that. I didn't wow. scare them. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyone that has spoken already? I know Phaedra and Tanya had their arms. Someone just took themselves off of anyone. Raise your hand. Okay, Nicole. Yay. Okay. Pretty Flacca. I love Nicole. She's been following me for such a long time. Um, I'm taking you. There you go. And Nicole's got a little daughter named Maya who we just saw flying around. How old is she now? She is three and a half. Aww. She looks like she's five. She just had a growth spurt and grew like at least two inches, but she's only three and a half. Hold on, Maya, say hi. Hi, Maya. Hello. She's enjoying her cookies that I bribed her with. Yeah, um, bribed times like <laughs> always. She's been asking me for like the last hour and a half and I'm like, just wait. <laughs> um, but no, the prayer that I'm asking for is actually not for me. Um, I have a coworker. So I used to live in, in Texas and I worked in a hospital there and I had a coworker that um, was a really great guy. You know, we're not the best of friends or whatever, but he's really great. And so um, I just wanted to ask if we could keep in mind for his wife and his children, um, because Justin, the guy, is currently in the hospital with COVID. He's on a ventilator. Just, I, I have faith he'll be fine. I'm not too worried for him. I, you know, I try not to worry at all about anybody, but if we could just keep in mind for his wife and his three daughters, because they're currently at home quarantining, um, you know, they live in a city, so uh, they're quarantining and they're just, you know, I can't imagine being a mother and, you know, having to go through that, you know, worrying about my husband, and having to take care of, they have a five-month-old daughter together, who actually they're presuming that she has it as well, but I'm sure she's stable, you know? But, um, so yeah, that's that's uh, what I would like you to pray for, and everybody else. Is. Of course, and that's mm. the, I don't know, um, let me see if I have another little beat to put on here. I've got my little, like, weird area going down here. But I would definitely like to yeah. or at least a special knot and this bracelet for the role of divine masculine in our children's lives, however that looks for you. You know, if you're running both, if you're running both roles as a single parent, whatever the relationship is that you have with the baby daddy, but also like 
you know, everyone needs their moms, but for, you know, there's three daughters and a mom who are quarantining, making the best of they can of the situation while their daddy's like in the hospital from a really scary illness that he's been, you know, on the front lines with. And even if everything is, is totally fine and there's nothing to worry about, like, they're, they're in that state of uncertainty. Like a lot of us are like, oh yeah, like uncertainty and COVID, but like all of the, this mama needs her man. These children need their daddy. And this is a really hard time for us. All of us were little girls once and all of us, you know, even if you have a strange relationship with divine masculine in your own life, like it's an important presence. It's an important presence that they don't have right now. So I'm definitely um, I have, I'm going to put a little extra special knot here for that role of divine masculine. And oh, you know, did this little bead going to fit on here? I've got a tiny orange bead for the tiny role that I'm in. <laughs> for the huge role of divine masculine in every child. Like it's so, it's so, so, so important. So does everyone have their little red string or their little bracelet? And if you didn't bring one today, but like after this call, you decide that you want one, like listen, hon, mine is pink and orange because I couldn't find any red. But if you're participating in this ceremony, I want you to know that like we're praying for you. And if there's something that you need to add to this, like add to, we're all here in this together. You're not alone. You're being thought of. We're praying for you. And like I, if you're like, oh my God, how am I going to keep up with praying for all of these people? I pray one prayer. And that's like, let me see all of my options. Let me see all of my options. Let me see all of my options. Let them see all of their options. Because when we see all of the choices that are available to us, there's always a way that works. And the symbolism of like this whole bracelet for me as well, like a prayer that I would like to pray for myself and have you all pray for me as like, please help me to remember that I trust my body. I trust my body. I trust my baby's body. I trust my son's body. I trust the body of the baby that's inside of me right now. But like when, when my mind forgets, my body knows. And I used to think, I was like, oh, cool. Well, God's protecting me because I like do all these great things for God. Um, but I was like, but what about my babies? Like, what have they done? That's so great. You know, <laughs> like you, my baby's got a fucking attitude. Like, I, I wonder if God likes him too. And uh, to just remember that I can, I can trust my body and I can trust my body to birth this baby. I can trust my body to keep this baby safe, to grow this baby. And I'd also like to say a specific prayer that, you know, I, I guess I have this weird insecurity that if I'm telling everybody how fine a free birth is going to be, that like I'm going to have a horrible birth uh, because I just said that it was going to be so fine. And it, it makes no sense when I say it out loud, but you know, who here is like, it, it feels like kind of a Houdini thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to get out of this straitjacket. Everybody watch me. And then you're like, hope I can deliver. Um, I want to remember that it's not on me and that it's in the best interest of all women that like I, I show a different way of doing things. And you know what, if that different way is I have a crazy birth and I need to learn how to say thank you for Western medicine, then so be it. But I trust my body and I trust, I place my future in the hands of the divine mother and I know that I'll be protected. So is there anyone else that wants to add one little thing? I got to get this beat on. I'm not going to be able to do it if I, Divine Masculine won't have a presence on my bracelet if I don't get this little fucking beat on here. Uh, is there anyone else that wants to add one more thing? Just raise your hand if I can't do. Amy, wonderful. Amy, oh, and Glow, wonderful. Go ahead, Amy. 
Um, I'm thinking of the stage after birth, postpartum, and just um, yeah, praying for the women who have to face extraordinary circumstances. And I know for myself, I've actually been very blessed, but it's still felt extraordinary for me and been very, very difficult. Um, yeah, and I think it's just a time that's not understood and it's not honored. And, you know, I planned for my postpartum because I had done some level of research and, um, you know, just as I had done for my birth. Um, but that's the part that for me that really hasn't gone according to plan. And that is, I really wanted my village and I wanted my support and I wanted the good foods and I wanted all those things, but I couldn't even go to the shops because it was too dangerous, you know, like, so, and my mother couldn't fly over from South Africa and everything in its divine order, of course, because I think it's been really great in many respects, but yeah, I'm also just thinking about a lot of the women that I know in my life that may not have the resources, even just emotionally and mentally that I've had to be able to draw on to feel safe and okay during this time. Um, yeah, because I've got a lot of friends who are pregnant right now and um, in South Africa and things are pretty crazy over there as well. And yeah, just a prayer for a, pr a prayer for postpartum, I think. Of course, and this is such an important um, topic as well, because I think the main thing that parenting and your birth experience actually teaches you is that you can't control, you know, you can't control things and things don't always go according to plan. The thing is, is that things never go according to our plan, but they always go according to God's plan. And I heard in a lodge one time, like, you're not picky, but God is. And a lot of times we can't tell when we're in it, you know, like it's really that postpartum, like something that I was wanting to experience in my postpartum nesting experience was all that newborn baby smell cuddled up, but our well went dry. And so what I got like one week after having a baby is like, I'm responsible for supporting my entire family. And I need to put a workshop together like right now. And it's the last thing that I want to be doing. And I have to, like I must, I was not inspired about it. I didn't want to do it. But it was something that I had to do. And when I accepted that my postpartum wasn't going to go to a plan like I thought it was, um, everything changed. And I became a much stronger and better woman because of it, because I stopped waiting for a miracle and I just like made miracles happen. Um, but a prayer for every, you know, regardless, uh, postpartum, pre-baby, during, but like the, the prayer for when things don't go according to plan. Yeah to be at, at peace with that. Awesome, we'll add that in there. And Glow, I'm gonna take you off of mute. Very, oh, perfect. That was the most seamless transition. Glow and I kind of have matching tattoos because her and my brother both got tattoos that say, you are here. And I have a tattoo that says, I'm there. Um, so we have, we, have very, we have similar tattoos. Glow, how can I ask uh, the gods to bless you? Um, well, it was, I was thinking mostly of my best friend because um, she's actually getting married in a couple weeks, but she told me about two weeks ago as well that she wants, that they're trying to have a baby, um, which she was that, she's that friend who's like, ew, kid, or who was really grossed out by kids and didn't want to have kids and now is in this headspace of like, I really do want kids and I'm excited and also really crazy scared. Huh? crazy how that happens i know i know it's awesome so i just want to i don't know like send a prayer out there and f wish her the best and like have her like trust her body and just know that like however it happens it's gonna 
it's the way it should be. And I would love to like double down on that prayer. But if there's one prayer that I have for women all over the world, women, anybody that identifies as women, wherever they come, is that they remember that there's nothing wrong with them, mm-hmm. that there is no, that there's nothing wrong with them. If they want it, it also wants them to, you can't fuck it up. You can't miss it. You can't, you don't need to control it. Mm-hmm. That God is God is time and at the right time, everything comes. And as a friend, you know, as somebody that's holding that space, like being a birth keeper for somebody, it doesn't mean, you know, just when they're in labor, but like holding that space for somebody that wants to conceive is just being that energy that always reminds them like, there is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to change anything about who you are. You don't have to change anything about how you are. God doesn't fuck up. God doesn't fuck up. God wasn't like drunk when he was making you or sending your soul to earth. Like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. And if you want it, it also wants you. And there is no reason that you can't have it. Will never come in the way that you think it's going to come at the time that you think it's going to come. Because like, this is how we remember that we're not into control. in control. You don't want to walk into your journey of a mother thinking that you can control everything if you just try hard enough. Because I'm fucking telling you, my husband, my baby's walking around the other day going, walking around feeling great. But he was on like a 30 minute timeout in the bathtub the other day where my neighbor called me and asked me if one of us was dying because my kid was screaming so loud. So like, you can't, like, kids are fucking uncontrollable sometimes no matter and it will push on like every fucking button every question you've ever had about who you want to be in the world um you can't go into that with the idea that it's all controllable and so but the only reason that you feel like you need to control things is because you think that there's something wrong with you that you have to make up for that like if things were just allowed like you genuinely believe that if you were to stop doing things and just let god handle it that everything would go to shit and you think that everything would go to shit because maybe god doesn't like you so much and then it's like why does not god not like me we never get ourselves into this line of questioning it's just like festers unchecked in our mind but if we were to ever be like okay well why do I think I can't control? Why, why do I think I have to control everything? Because if I stop, everything will go to shit. Why will everything go to shit? Because God doesn't like me. Why does God not like me? And you'll find some totally bullshit reason. Now, I'm not saying it didn't have like extreme, like emotional impact on you. But the reason that I was blaming myself for not having the things that for God not liking me was because I had been molested as a child and I thought it was my fault. And that's bullshit. And that's bullshit. And if you had a birth experience where you feel like you were supposed to do things a certain way and it didn't happen and it's your fault, like that's bullshit. Fucked up people did fucked up things to you. Industries that were supposed to protect you, people that you thought you could trust, like betrayed you, told you that there were things wrong with you, told you that things, you know, that you fucked up somehow. And like, that's not fucking true. There's nothing wrong with you. And if you want it, it's because you're meant to have it. Mm -hmm. And I'd like us all, you know, especially with this full moon where it's like we could really call in a huge amount of something we want to see more of is like, how can each of us as women be the type of create the type of energetic space where like everybody that comes to us, we accept as is like everybody that comes to and like, look, there's going to be a lot of things you don't like in the world, but if you can give people the space of like acceptance, however you are, however you show up, come as you are. Like, it's, I don't need to change you. 
I don't need to change your story. I don't need to make you a little bit more like me in order to like, in order to, you know, be able to get along with you. It's like how you are, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't need to change anything about who you are or how you are. Because honestly, like anytime we're obsessing about something like that, we're, we're not doing work on ourselves. Um, so just if you have friends that you love that are wanting to conceive or wanting to do, just remind them that there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. Cool. And at the right time, I'm calling that in for you. I'm holding that space for you. And don't underestimate the power of telling someone like, I'm praying for you. Like I'm praying for you. And you just let them see all their options. So, all right. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the ceremony. I'm going to put my little bracelet on my hairy ass ankle. Now, little thing with this, if your bracelet or anklet falls off or breaks, you it's very very cool that's a good thing a big accident was coming my way and your little bracelet intercepted it or something that would have been a left turn when it should have been a right bracelet intercepted it so if it falls off if it breaks or anything like that great omen let us know and just bury it in a little bit of dirt bury it in a little bit of dirt all right if you're in new york and you can't find any dirt don't break your bracelet, <laughs> then throw it in the East River <laughs> and throw it in the East River and it's fine. Um, with every time I look at this, I'm going to be praying for y'all. And I promise you, I mean, it's a long way away, but the second I go into labor, I'll definitely hit you all up. Um, thank you for being a part of my ceremony. Thank you for holding this space for me. Thank you for sharing your stories. And uh, I'll see, I'll see y'all soon. Thank you all so much. Very nice to see everybody. Come to movie night. We'll pick a movie, this movie night. We'll pick a movie when we're all on the Zoom call. But I, I saw an ad for my best friend's wedding recently, and I was like, ooh, that's cool. But I want to be able to go to the Zoom room hotbox and see what we're all in the mood for. <laughs> Even though I have no fucking idea what Under the Tuscan Sun is about, because at movie night, I'm like watching like this. I'm just fucking texting the Slack the whole time. So we need a movie that I've seen like 400 times. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. Love you so much. Thanks for your stories. Bye.